Hello and welcome to the Rogues in the House podcast, the show with all the thews and all the news on all things sword and sorcery. So it is now time to uh, spill the wine and dig that girl because the rogues are in the house. <laughs> See, now that was a reference to the Boogie Night soundtrack as uh, a song by War called Spill the Wine, right? <laughs> and as Oliver, one of my guests knows, Mr. Brackenberry, that uh, Boogie Nights is one of my favorite films of all time. That and yeah, PGA is my favorite director, so nice choice. I mean, hey, listen, it's hard to go wrong. Um, so, yeah, this is a, an interesting episode of Rogues in the House in that I'm the only rogue in this house. And as a piece of trivia, dear listener, I'm the only rogue who's always been in this house. Ooh. This house has never been around without me in it. Uh, I don't know what any of that means. I just thought I'd point it out but to you. But now you're outnumbered, so whose house will it be by the end of this episode? Stay tuned. I'm <laughs> yeah, who, who has the most swords in their house? Uh, actually, I'm not actually going to ask you that question. Probably <laughs> good. I have an answer prepared for that, man. So, <laughs> uh, also, also here is also, I just Mike Tyson, sorry. Also is um, Nat Webb. Hey. Nathaniel Webb. Nathan Webb. Nat 20. What do we call you? Yeah, man, you you can call me Nat. It's it's Nathaniel when we're being official. It's Nat to my friends. It's never Nathan. Uh, so okay, so we're not going to call you Nasty Nate or something. No, mm -mm. yeah. Right. So so my my parents gave me a name that uh, people mishear as Matt when I introduce myself, oh, and then man. they misremember as Nate once I've already met them. But it's neither of those. It's Nat, like Nat King Cole. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So. Uh, we got Nat King Cole, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> Nat Webb and Oliver uh, Brackenberry. Uh, oh, Brackenberry! Uh, oh, <laughs> how dare you, Brackenberry the Dead? How dare you? <laughs> not, not as in I picked a strawberry. I mean, that's what I eat. Ah, I don't care. Uh, Nat, are you Canadian as well? No. Okay. Shit. Although, no, you're, although you're like New England in, or something, right? I do live in Maine. Yeah, which is okay. arguably the Canada of America, I guess. Yeah, the geography in my brain, uh, it, it it told me maybe Canadian is what it said. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Mm hmm. So uh, on today's episode, uh, these two gentlemen are joining me for a particular reason, and I think we're going to get into what that reason is. Um. They've got, you know, I always say this is this, this show is a platform for uh, anyone in the sword and sorcery orbit, anyone that's not a D-I-C-K. I'm not inviting anyone who's one of those because uh, I can't handle that. But if you're a decidedly reasonable person um, and you do sword and sorcery things, then goddamn, I want you in this house with these rogues. We're going to have a good time. But as always, before we get into our justifying our reasons for uh, speaking on air, we're going to head off for a trip to the Bazaar of the Bizarre. Okay. The Bazaar is open, gentlemen. I'm not going to start this off um, because I don't have to. <laughs> as such is your authority that you wield recklessly. This is me I'll snapping. Yeah, okay. I'm snapping a stick in half. I'm thrown it in the center. <laughs> One of you kill the oh, other and then decide. Boys. Yeah. Uh, I'll leap in with both uh, feet and hands here. Why not? Uh, I definitely easily chose my Bizarre the Bizarre thing here. Blood, Sweat, and Chrome, The Wild and True Story of Mad Max Fury Road by Kyle Buchanan. It is the big behind-the-scenes book of the making of that epic movie, and it is about as entertaining as that movie, considering mm -hmm. it, especially considering it took George Miller 
I think he started working on it in like 95, <laughs> you know, and didn't really get to filming much until 2009. Uh, so yeah, it's an amazing, amazing book that it just makes me laugh and like bug my partner with trivia that I've just learned like every three pages. Can't recommend it enough. And in some broad ways, kind of relates to what we're coming, you know, here today to talk about. Maybe I'll get into that later. Anyway, mm -hmm. that's mine. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, Mr. Webb, what do you got? Uh, yeah, so mine, I'm currently reading uh, The Witch of the Indies by David C. Smith, who, if you have listened to Oliver's podcast, he interviewed recently. Um, David is, uh, what, is, was, he was a second wave sword and sorcery author back in the 70s and 80s. He continues to be a sword and sorcery author, but I learned from Oliver's podcast, this was actually his first published book. Um, and it is a uh, Robert E. Howard pastiche. It's about um, Black Terrence Volmea, Howard's pirate character, who I think there was only ever actually one published Howard story about him. Um, but this is a full-length novel um, that is honestly pretty kick-ass. Um, it, there, there are a lot of adverbs, <laughs> but but other than that, it's it's honestly awesome. It's a great story. Um, Volmea, I mean, he really fleshes him out into an interesting character because he's like, he is not a good man. Uh, he doesn't try to make him into like a lovable rogue. Like he is just a pirate and he is not nice, um, but he's still very compelling. Um, but he kind of softens it a little bit by almost turning it into like an ensemble cast. Um, you know, there's a, there's an even worse guy who starts out on, on Volmea's crew um, and then kind of betrays him. And then there's like a young man who is sort of Shanghai onto the crew and is trying to get away and not get into a life of piracy. And so it sort of follows these multiple plot threads. Um, and it's actually all very compelling and obviously, you know, tons of rip roaring blood and thunder action and a couple of, uh, kick-ass sword fight scenes so far. So yeah, really, really enjoying it. Highly recommend it. Yeah. David C. Smith. What did I read? Uh, for the witch of the mists, I think was like a brand Bron McMorn pastiche. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he wrote, back, um, yeah. sometime lofty towers was like his recent one that everybody's yeah, so heard of that. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. He's a guy who's, I think I have a few more of his books on my shelf and he's just in that dreaded to be red pile, which yeah. never ends. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, you just add more to the pile. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. It always grows and it never shrinks. Yeah. I, I moved this one up partially uh, just after listening to Oliver's interview and partially I'm just a big nautical fiction nut. So anything that has ships. Yeah. And I've noticed, cannons, I've noticed from things like, I've yeah. read of yours, I think. Yeah. There's that's my jam. So. Nautical themes. Yeah. Well, Raquel uh, magazine, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, I don't know if we're going to do like official introductions or whatever, yes, we are. but yes, we are. all right, sweet. All right. We'll get there. When we get there. <laughs> that'll be, we'll get that'll there. be soon. Uh, okay. Good choices. Uh, for me, <laughs> uh, <I'm debating. laughs> okay. Yeah. For the, the real answer, I guess, is I've been playing uh teenage mutant Ninja Turtles shredders revenge Hell yeah. on, uh, you know, on well, PlayStation five, which is like an unnecessary machine to have to play that game. Um, but yeah, it's it's a you know side scroller beat 'em up in the same vein and and flavor as the old Turtles in Time Hyperstone Heist games. Um, I've realized that I really I am <laughs> becoming obsessed and maybe even poisoned by nostalgia in the sense that like there are new things I don't want. I, I don't necessarily need an open world video game every time, all the time, to shows a whole realized world. Like oh, I'm getting old. So something like this that harkens back to my childhood and is a quick beat em up button masher, feel good sleigh fest. Um, I really dig it. So if you like those old games, 
It's not as good as Streets of Rage 4, which I think is goddamn amazing. Uh, and I would like to see more products in that vein. This new Ninja Turtles one is damn good. So, is I Ninja Turtles older? Sorry, and the video games. I yeah. remember one sign that I was like, "Oh, I'm getting older." Was looking at the back of a box, which also tells you how long ago this was, uh, of a video game, and seeing 80 plus hours of yeah. gameplay, and it felt like a threat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah. no, man, no, don't want it. Don't want that. <laughs> Have not got time. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah. Although, t- to be fair, I mean, something like the original Super Mario Brothers, that was 80 plus hours of gameplay, but it's because I was seven and that game was incredibly hard. So mm-hmm. I probably put over 80 hours into it. I just never beat it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was 80 hours of the first six levels, maybe. And then just eventually I gave up. Oh, man. Yeah. The old video games were a certain crucible in every. You know, well, the original time. NES uh, Ninja Turtles, right? 80 hours oh. got you to that friggin' dam. Sorry, you talking? <laughs> beep, beep, beep. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> I'm doing something stressful, video game. Does it help with that? It doesn't. It doesn't. I touched I seaweed. I damn like once, died 10 minutes later. I was like, yeah. oh, well, there was some yeah. kind of game you could save. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. the technology. Yeah. Well, you can you could play it again now if you wanted and have the like uh, the the, oh, the save, save state. state yeah oh yeah, yeah emul- emulator stuff you're right actually yep. but, ah, yeah. ah. even on like the new minis anyways whatever screw that <laughs> <laughs> video games now you can actually have fun and not die the entire time unless you play Dark Souls and now people get a real uh, get real turned on about that and well the whole roguelike thing fine. right in general yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm not into uh, consistently failing in my spare time i like to <laughs> i get enough of that in real life man yeah exactly i was gonna say then why are you writing like because that's i feel all writers no matter how good they are <laughs> well that, i guess that's what i'm saying is it like yes you have to fail to do that but i've only got a stomach for so much the video yeah. game should be just yeah the video game should be telling it should be doing what i want it to do guys yeah okay which is not dying anyways all right <laughs> the bazaar has closed the mists have parted and now we're strolling down um, an entirely different avenue where these two rogues popped out. And uh, I'm going to get you to do a quick introduction at knife point. Um, <laughs> let's start Let's start with uh, Oliver here. Tell us who you are, and uh, then we can maybe get to the why you're here. After. All right. My name is Oliver Brackenbury. I am an author, podcaster, uh, sometimes filmmaker, and now editor of New Edge Sword and Sorcery magazine. The podcast you heard Nat refer to a couple of times there is called So I'm Writing a Novel, where I am kind of tracking, you know, like a behind the scenes kind of thing, the writing of my sword and sorcery novel, interspersed with quite a few interviews with people in the scene, including both Matt and Nat, my only two uh, return champions, funny enough. So there's a lot of this. This is a somewhat incestuous podcast situation we're having here. But, Ooh. Uh, yeah. Ooh. That's true. <laughs> You're not supposed to get so, excited about that at all. <laughs> no worries. Uh, also filthy Canadian. Uh, so yeah. we're two-thirds Canadian tonight. Yes, uh, even yes. if the original rogues are outnumbered by exterior rogues. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's the, the gist of me. You can check me out at oliverbrackenberry.com, songwritingandnovel.com, and now newedgesoreandsorcery.com. Matt. Okay. Mr. Webb. Yeah. Uh, I am Nat Webb, or uh, on the internet, Nathaniel Webb, occasionally Nat20. Um, I am an author and editor, I guess, mainly. Um, I've had stories in Whetstone, of course, uh, Mythic Magazine. I've got one in the upcoming issue, issue of Wit. The, <laughs> the upcoming 
issue of Witch House, which is a surprisingly difficult thing to say. Uh, and uh, I am the editor of Rake Hell, which Oliver mentioned earlier, um, which is a magazine of swashbuckling adventure fiction. Uh, there are a couple of good sword and sorcery stories in there, as well as some historical fiction and some other stuff. Um, and uh, also the editor of the least sword and sorcery magazine possibly of all time, Windgraph, the magazine of cozy fantasy, uh, which has <laughs> very little to do with what we're doing here, uh, except that it's a magazine and it exists, um, but it is very snuggly and warm and wonderful. Um, but yeah, I, uh, <laughs> so I like to say I write cozy fantasy with one hand and just absolute like merciless blood and thunder with the other hand and absolutely nothing in between. I'm a creature of extremes and uh, either I want a cup of tea with my fantasy or I want to be disemboweling people with a sword. Um, but I, I do also love uh, very much historical and uh, naval fiction um, as we were sort of referencing earlier, my stories in, uh, in Whetstone have both been, uh, I don't know if pushing the boundaries is maybe an exaggeration, but, um, set in, uh, more of like a, uh, 18th century sort of historical fantasy setting. Um, but still I think, uh, sword and sorcery, uh, there's a hints of magic and that sort of thing. And certainly lots of blood and definitely some thunder. So that's what I do. That's what I love. Sword and sorcery and flintlock. Exactly. Yeah. There's cannons and shit. Yeah. Yeah. You can do cannons and shit. That's fine. Uh, okay. Uh, one question before we get into like, um, sort of the topic du jour, why do you guys like, you have to like it to some extent. You're not just doing it for the, the money and the gold and the jewels. Like why edit? It's like the hardest <laughs> job ever. Why do you choose to do that? Uh, like I pay people to do that. Why do you do it? Because you like, like you like to do yeah. that. Yeah, I'll handle it. I mean, aside, obviously, from the massive amounts of riches, you know, the, this is a podcast that you can't see, but I'm actually recording this from atop a huge pile of just gold and rubies. Mm -hmm. um, indie pub money, huh? Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, other than that, obviously. Um, no, I mean, I, I started editing at the beginning of this year um, because last year I self-published a novel um, and discovered that I actually really enjoyed doing all the sort of technical aspects of it. So doing the layout, doing the cover, uh, doing the art order for the cover art, all that kind of stuff. And just all the all the pieces of like putting it together that weren't the writing. I mean, obviously, I like the writing, too, but, you know, all the all the making the thing parts of it. And, you know, it's very satisfying at the end to have something that you've made and that you can hold in your hand and say, you know, I made this happen. Um, and so it just occurred to me that, like, I could I could take that skill set and use it to not just make my own stuff, but also to lift up other people, you know, and, and, uh, help other voices get heard and people who may have something to say, or may just be telling awesome stories that, you know, otherwise wouldn't get out there. Uh, and if I have the capability to put them out there, why not use it? Okay. Well, that's a pretty goddamn good answer. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> I say that, but, uh, yeah, I, I, well, I would also say thank you to, uh, uh, from the horse's mouth, uh, for your putting the cover together on a book of blades and of course for your, um, story donation. Oh yeah, man. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. It's appreciated. That's a book of blades available now on <laughs> Amazon guys. It keeps popping up uh, into like the, the shallow hundreds on like the 
the best sellers in its like anthology category. That's like pretty it'll good. go back to like in yeah. the thousands, but it keeps coming up to like two hundred and here or there. So you know, it probably means one person bought it <laughs> during a week and Still, like, oh, though, look. I mean, someone bought it. Yeah, it keeps it. Uh, there's some momentum. Um, oh. Okay. Oh, helps. Uh, yeah, my answer to that question. Uh, yeah, it's funny. About three years ago, I was contemplating doing a magazine through a volunteer group that I'm with, uh, the Friends of Merrill. It's to do with this big archive of speculative fiction that's been an incredible resource for my writing research and uh, I guess now kind of editing as well uh, in Toronto. And I wasn't sure how to go about it, but I was reading Tales from the Magician's Skull and loving it. And I was like, you know what? I'll just try something out. I emailed Howard Andrew Jones and I was like, hey, man, can I ask you some questions? I know you're probably busy. You know, I'd never spoken to him before. And he was so generous, he actually offered to have a phone call with me. And we had a nice long chat. And that was my introduction to Howard, a great guy whose name will come up again, I'm sure, tonight. Mm -hmm. And uh, I realized I was not ready for that jelly. <laughs> so I put it down. Yeah. But then fast forward to spring of this year, and there was a lot of interesting conversations being had about this whole thing we're going to get into, New Edge Store and Sorcery. And like, you know, even before that term got brought up, it was just this kind of thing of like, we were having one of those big cyclical conversations about like, how do we make uh, the audience bigger for Sword and Sorcery? How do we make this thing less niche? Uh, and I was like, I can see this going around in circles uh, with a lot of energy and anticipating the way most circular conversations do. Uh, you know, people make well-meaning, but maybe not the best suggestions. Like, it just needs a hit movie. Okay, I'll go make one, you know? Uh, and I was like, uh, what's a question maybe we can all work together to try and answer this a bit more within reach? And I just said, how would you guys go about bringing in more young and diverse readers? And then it, I can't, I can only take credit for the question. I cannot take credit for the three straight days of thunderous discussion, respectful, interesting, passionate, galloping chatter that happened on the Discord. By the end of it, you know, I was laying on the floor, like lighting a cigarette, wondering what happened. And I just <laughs> was like, there's something here. There's something really here. And I feel really strongly about it. But what am I going to do, right? Am I just going to write, you know, add to the pile of blog posts or whatever, you know? And I thought about it and I was like, God, I did want to do that magazine a few years back. Maybe I could edit a magazine and maybe, you know, that'd be a way of trying to push things forward with my own little bit of tiny bit of power and authority. I mean, I don't want to give off the impression I'm like king of sword and sorcery all of a sudden. Um, but so yeah, I could do a little something and also apply a whole bunch of skills I've gathered over the years through, like I mentioned, indie filmmaking. Like I know what it is to be a producer on something like that and essentially what is an editor, right? But kind of a producer-director situation where you've got to organize a whole bunch of talent whole yeah. bunch of different kinds of talent, different kind of personalities, and just juggle schedules and, and creativity and make something big come together against all odds to produce a really cool, entertaining product for the public to enjoy that is an expression of creative vision. And so I just was like, okay, I think I'm going to tilt at this whim, though. I'm taking a different approach to Nat. Like, you know, Nat bravely is just king of the mountain, basically, with his two magazines. I, when I was like, saying to the chat where some people were joking, like, oh, you should do an anthology. I'm like, yeah, easy to tell the guy to do the anthology, as Matt knows. Uh, a lot more work to do it. Uh, Book of Blades available now. Uh, but um, but then also I was kind of like, okay, well, like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. But I'm going to do a magazine because I think that's more what I want to do. And I'm going to need help. <laughs> so that's part of why Nat is here because yeah. I was like, hey, Nat, you just like launched two magazines and that puts you way ahead of me. You know, do you want to come on for like layout and design and officially and unofficially? Nat is absolutely my like Riker on this thing. Like I, you know, the amount of DMs he feels are just me being like, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Oh, I got opinions. Like, God bless him just for enduring the volume of my mouth flapping digitally. Uh, that alone uh, should earn him a huge pay raise from the current passion project level of pay for this thing, which is zero dollars all around. But I do hope to eventually get in on one of those big money cash grabs that you can do as an indie publisher. Anyway, that's a long answer. So there you go, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's yeah, that's fine. Uh, okay, so like a bunch of things came up. Um, 
one of them is that like I do think that the if you're editing a magazine or an anthology or something like that, it really does kind of feel like a movie producer. Uh, a thing. It feels like a movie producer type thing. <laughs> I started it. riding that and I wasn't going to stop, guys. Oh dear! It's also not going to be edited out. So <laughs> good. The America needs to know, man. <laughs> Better for you, listener. You get to hear that crazy stuff. Um, yeah, no, I think I think that those two roles uh, sort of are similar in my mind. If you uh, put them over those two mediums, um, I guess the other bit would be all right. So let's just get into it. What is New Edge? Period. What is New Edge? Wheel. Uh, I guess there's the magazine, and then there's also kind of the idea. And right. So let me, let me yeah, let me kind of uh, come back in and there for a second. So you kind of alluded to it a bit, but New Edge as a sort of uh, title for things, right? As you say, there's going to be the magazine that we've already talked about. You are going to be editing, but then New Edge, which was this uh, big discussion um, on, as we say, mainly the Whetstone Discord, and then other little publishers kind of came in and had their two cents about this as well. Um, so Scott Odin deserves credit for putting up uh, the first blog post that trying to spread the word. I, I yeah. 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 To mention him elsewhere. Sorry. Scott. Well, no, I, I knew, I knew he would come up. Uh, he always comes up. Goddamn Scott. Odin. <laughs> he came up during the Gen Con panels. We were like giving him all kinds of compliments. You'll probably never hear them anyways. So <laughs> what is new edge? What are we doing? What is this? Okay, so uh, knowing this question would come up quite a bit. I mean, it is a term I cannot take credit for. Howard Andrew Jones coined it. Um, I'm bad on years, sorry, Howard, but uh, it was somewhere in the early 2000s. Uh, him and I believe James Engie and some other uh, chaps were just like, you know, how do we rebrand sword and sorcery? It's kind of, you know, suffering from a combination of people uh, who are old enough to remember the sort of bad Clonans and bad Clonan type movies who just associate it with like fur diapers and a woman with a bare arse over someone's shoulder and just kind of go, eh, you know. Or alternately, it suffers from, and this is the problem I think that has persisted to some degree, while the other one has faded as time has gone, uh, it suffers from dilution, right? I think you guys have brought up more than once on The Rogues in the House, where you say sword and sorcery to a lot of people, and they're just like, oh, so like anything with a sword and a wizard, yeah, in it, yeah, right? Yeah, like Lord yeah, of the Rings yeah. is sword and sorcery. They don't know the tradition, which blessedly on this podcast, I don't have to explain the difference, so that's nice. No, um, you do not. And the idea was like, okay, well, how about we have this thing called New Edge Sword and Sorcery? It'll be kind of a banner for various creators and publishers and types to sort of rally around underneath being like, okay, we're going to focus on creating new exciting stuff that doesn't lose what made the old stuff great, but does lose what made the old stuff uh, less appealing to a lot of people, particularly people who aren't, you know, white straight guys uh, that might have a bit of a harder time coming across certain uses of language and certain attitudes and just make it really cool and try and knock the dust and rust off, right? New edge. Mm. We're going to sharpen the thing we've already got, you know, we're not tossing anything out. And so that was the idea, I guess, back in the 2000s. I don't want to put words in Howard's mouth, but I believe what happened was essentially it was a little too soon. It didn't quite take off. But then you fast forward about 15 odd years to like this conversation we're having the Western Discord, stuff that I keep seeing showing up on big forums like our fantasy where people are like, I really like Conan and stuff, but can I read newer up-to-date things? You know? And it's just like, yeah, okay. There's obviously like an appetite appetite that's growing. And maybe, you know, I'm hoping, obviously I'm invested in this personally, but I don't think I'm fooling myself when I say that I think we could be at a place where a third wave of sword and sorcery could happen. 
and perhaps yeah. Oh, yeah. the people who really want to bring the genre forward and show that you know sword and sorcery can be many things while still being sword and sorcery and like experiment with it and make it welcoming to everybody you know more welcoming and build on things that have been done before you know it took a while to get here and that could happen so that's new edge sword sorcery uh like a little bit of history as far as a very quick description of what it is uh luckily uh, i did think of it a little while back and with a lot of help from other people i composed a tweet length description so i can spare you too much rambling what it says on newedgeswordandsorcery.com uh, is this what is new edge sword and sorcery well new edge sword and sorcery takes the genre's virtues of its outsider protagonists thrilling energy wondrous weirdness and a large body of classic tales then alloys inclusivity mutual creator support a positive fan community and enthusiastic promotion of new works into the mix so that's that's the the guiding sort of philosophical statement certainly uh, as i have chosen to word it again with some help from some good people uh that will be guiding the magazine yeah I, i've i've read that description i find it uh fairly bulletproof in the sense of um <laughs> i don't know where do you find fault in that like what what would be what would be the what would be the sticking point right um and and i think too howard's wordplay there is somewhat clever in that i think new is an important word in this right because mm -hmm. the constant problem is that a lot of these favorite stories are from the 70s and the 30s and it's all a lot of people talk about not everybody but it's a lot of what sucks up the oxygen and so i think you just put new in there you put new in there someone gets a little bit interested like what oh new ooh, this is this is something interesting uh <laughs> let me check this out and then the edge of course uh talking about a sword but you're also talking about honing a sword honing a blade till it's nice and sharp again and i mean i think the <laughs> there is no question in my mind about whether we've reached a point where there's mutual creator support so one of the reasons I started uh, or we started Rogues in the House back in, I don't know, four years ago or something was <laughs> that we just got, uh, we, we love this material um, and we wanted a place to talk about it on a one-way street because frankly, the cesspool of Facebook and those groups are just such a bummer. Honestly, just recently as yesterday, a real bummer post came up based on, you know, people getting together and talking in good faith on the on a panel about something. Everyone ignored a particular topic and just jumped right to this perceived slight that uh, really is is not something anyone can comment on because the topic in question it's not it's not even it's not even out it was just offhand statement so i guess what i'm saying is new is good uh new blood is good um and well tell me more so why do you why do we need to call you, you sort of answered this but this is something else i would ask why would we call it? And then Nat, I want you to jump in here if you feel up to answering this question or any. I don't want to say this is the one you must answer because um, <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of tougher. This is the one that that I personally was thinking like, okay, because um, I, I I like this idea. I've been pushing for something similar um, with a very underbaked ideas for years as well. My, my thing was I wanted to get us all on the same page. I wanted to get us in the same meeting ground. And I don't want, uh, you know, dickheads in here. Mm -hmm. Dickheads can come if they're willing to act nicely, but, um, you know, I want I want a good spot. And so I guess I would say, why not just keep calling it sword and sorcery other than, other than perhaps the clonans? Yeah. I mean, I, I think my answer to that question is 
partially we are still calling it sword and sorcery because it is right. Mm. You know, we're not trying to dump anything that was written from 1932 until 2022. Right. I mean, there's 90 years of tradition and really great stories that already exist and nobody's looking to get rid of any of that. Right. Um, it's just trying to help refine what it can be and, you know, improve the definition of what it can be going forward. That's that's really what it is. And I, well, I, but I agree with, I really agree with the statement of no one's actually trying to get rid of that. And I feel like that's something that comes up often and people get their, get their hackles up because they think that you're trying to eliminate and expunge certain things when that's not, I don't know anyone who wants to do that. Right. No, All of them. I mean, I yeah. literally, I'm the editor of the magazine. I volunteered for six years promoting a speculative fiction archive where I've been reading like original issues of weird tales and so on like that. You know, so to think that I'm perhaps going for that with the uh, magazine is absurd. To think that anybody at all has the ability. I mean, that's the other big question, right? Every time someone's like, oh, you're trying to take away my Lancers. <laughs> uh, it's like, first of all, what about my Lancers? But second of all, um, <laughs> how? How is this happening? I need details. How is this happening? <laughs> right. Who has come by your house and smacked your books out of your hands? Stop having PTSD flashbacks to your mom burning your comics. It's okay. It's okay. Nobody's taking anything away from anybody. And in terms of what people can do, moving forward this is kind of coming back to what you were saying about about like you know well, why do we need to call it new edge sword and sorcery well because some people just want to write stuff that's endlessly imitating you know the clonans of the 70s or they just are there and, and they're happy with it and that's fine like i can't stress enough that you know i except for you know dickheads i'm not here to criticize anybody or tell anybody what to do i'm just want to share what i'm doing and try and get people hyped up about it right and mm -hmm. so with new edge sword and sorcery i think the term is is worth having because like you know, we're still figuring it out. I'm not in charge of what everybody else calls it. I just know what I think. And that's the definition that I, like I read a minute ago, you know, for the magazine. I think it needs to be more than just stuff published in the last 20 odd years, right? Mm -hmm. Which for a lot of people, it kind of seems to be. Uh, I think that you can just call sword and sorcery. Why, you know, there's no need for uh, any other term. But if you want to make stuff that's like intentionally trying to like grow the audience beyond the one that currently exists that is intentionally trying to make things younger and more diverse that is intentionally trying to push the boundaries of what you can do in the genre experimenting both fiction and art while still being absolutely recognizable as sword and sorcery which i contend is absolutely possible it's i think it's part of what makes me so excited about the genre then maybe you want a term for that and yeah. also yeah maybe you want a term for straight up branding marketing sorry it's a business we're trying to get something going here and we want people to buy in whether it's yeah. uh literally for money or just choosing to purchase so to speak a free issue with their time and energy to read it yeah and and, and that's the thing is that like um yeah it has to be it has to be marketing to an extent because but that's what i'm saying is good about the new the new thing is when you put new in there it's attractive in a sense um which is i think uh, great. One of the things I brought up on, I think one of these, uh, one of the Gen Con panels was that like, and I really, I, I believe this. And for some reason it came out pithy like, and it was that people don't even know they want sword and sorcery, but they want it. They yeah. do. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is it like, it's a lot of people out there who I'm sure don't know the wonders guys that we have in our hands and all of this <laughs> knowledge. It's fantastic. The short, the stories are moved. They move quickly. They can be over quickly. They give emotional feelings of triumph. They they get into the weird. You can do anything with these tales, and they're and and they're often serialized too, and they're bite sized. Like if anything, for the Netflix generation, like this 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 shoe fits. So 
if you got to rebrand that that's the part I completely agree with. And, and also when you're saying too, we're not saying it's not yours, Nat, you are saying it's not saying it's not sword and sorcery. Right. Right. And, and this is something that I think we haven't really touched on yet, which is um, another challenge that the term sword and sorcery on its own faces is that it's just been um, very genericized. So, you know, yes. if you go on Reddit or whatever and you say, recommend me some sword and sorcery, well, people, you know, a the lot Hobbit's of people, coming up real quick. Right, exactly. It's like, well, it has a sword and some magic in it, so it must be sword and sorcery. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's very easy to lose the specific values of this subgenre that you have called out, right? The pulp heritage where there are fast moving action oriented adventure focused stories, right? The, um, the lineage that it has specifically with historical fiction, which is very important and is a big part of the appeal for a lot of people, right? Mm -hmm. The relation it has to weird fiction and to uh, cosmic horror, right? Which is a big selling point, especially, I mean, you know, HP Lovecraft is more popular today and more recognizable today than he was in his own life. Right. And so if you say, yeah, it's fantasy, but it's like Lovecraftian fantasy, that's actually a selling point for a lot of people, you know, and obviously yeah. Lovecraft has a lot of baggage associated with it as well. But isn't, but, 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 but cosmic isn't horror is a selling point, but you don't, you don't necessarily get that if you just say sword and sorcery. Right. So again, um, if you can find a way to clarify with people what you're talking about, mm -hmm. that's always a good thing. Oh, I agree. And, and sorry, Oliver, I know you're going to come in there. I think some of what I'm saying is somewhat colored by the discussion that occurred online uh, about in regards to one of the panels I was on at Gen Con recently. And I was just, it was just like another gut punch of like, oh my God, we still with this stuff. Um, I honestly think it's, it's people being unreasonable. But what's interesting about what you say is Lovecraft is now more popular than ever, right? And, and I agree with you. I know he is because Lovecraft games can sell. And mm -hmm. a lot of it's in public domain and, and it's, it's very successful at the moment. Lovecraft yeah. was like beyond the pale racist, especially in some of the earlier tales. Yeah. I don't need to cite these things, yeah. but I also don't need, perhaps we don't need to bring it up all the time that Lovecraft is a racist, but it's important to contextualize the bits and to place them in a piece in history. So Lovecraft had certain things that like, I can't even glance at like the name of a particular poem. I'm like, Oh my God, oh boy. But this guy remains immensely popular. And I think it's because as a society, even though we're very at each other's throats, left, right, this and that, and what you can do and cancel culture and blah, blah, blah. Lovecraft is more popular now than ever. So if you're going to come in and say that like, oh, they're going to cancel, they're going to get rid of all those stories, they're going to stop this. If you apply the same thing to Robert E. Howard, it's not going to work. Yep. It's going to be those crummy elements, the ones that you're like, ah, yeah, this is a, I love this story, but like, I don't necessarily like this bit. We can still work around those things. And the old yeah. texts don't need to burn up. If it if it was going to happen to anybody, it would have happened to H.P. Lovecraft, where, I mean, that stuff is arguably hard-coded into his fiction thematically yeah. you know but it still sells it well yeah but also in some ways if it's a guy who's expressing fear right and you're talking about xenophobia then that fear is in there and you're it it comes out in the fiction i don't know that that's necessarily the good thing but i can tell you there, there's something about it that rings true when you read it and i yeah. think that's part of the sustaining power yeah, I mean, it, you know, in a, in a horrible way, that's a guy who understood being afraid of every single thing he saw when he stepped out the door. I mean, yeah, not in a healthy way, but he got it, I guess. Yeah, and I'm I'm not. Uh, let me just also just quickly say I'm not a Lovecraft scholar by any oh, stretch. Yeah, sure I know it. I've read the stuff. Um, uh, 
you know, just, just to be clear, I'm not, I'm not getting in that arena <laughs> right now. No, definitely not. Well, I mean, let's, you know, like, this is the thing. I, I, I think uh, the greater inclusion and making the thing more welcoming thing is huge and important. And it's important to be intentional about it. Definitely. That's something I've thought about my approach. I don't want to make it sound like that's all it's about. Like I said, it's definitely about trying to just create a feeling of experimentation and forward facingness to a genre that has largely been defined by people looking password. But it also doesn't mean ignoring it. Like I'm going to try and have an article in every issue where it's going to be like, hey, check out this classic uh, sword and sorcery author, learn about them and their works, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I might focus more on lesser discussed people uh, like CL Moore or Charles Saunders than sort of the holy trinity of uh, guys, you know, that get discussed all the time just because I want to, you know, show off some people who are discussed less but yeah 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 like the inclusion thing is important the, the positive community thing i think absolutely for i don't think i need to elaborate on that for most people who are familiar with the sword and sorcery scene unfortunately there's uh, be a lot of like angry fanboy griping whatever um but i think you know we have to be aware of false binaries like we've just been discussing you don't have to choose between enjoying past stories and future stories and present stories you can enjoy all the stories and i encourage people to do so that's what i'm doing and you can try new things without getting rid of the old things so yeah that, that, that alone i think is an important part of this whole thing of calling it new edge and just saying like new it's exciting let's check it out having a new term gives us a new excuse to talk about it to be honest like i think I'm, i i have already had some pretty warm responses and i think we'll get more as i attempt to drum up promo for the magazine just by yeah. the merit of the new name people are like oh what does that mean you know makes someone talk about it whereas they hear someone sorcery and they think usually incorrectly they know what it means um and so there's no discussion to be had so maybe it's a term that we you know don't need after 10 years and outgrow it or something but if it could be mm -hmm. like new wave sword and sorcery in the 60s 70s you know uh like what morcock got up to and others and that breathes a whole bunch of fresh air and creativity and talent and audience into it then i mm -hmm. think that's a very good thing indeed the thing about the inclusivity word i, I almost love saying it because it really bothers certain people when you say inclusive <laughs> because well no 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 i, I don't give a shit <laughs> i don't no, care I if they're I, just... I don't care if they're bothered i just it's like for me it's uh and maybe i'm speaking from a place of privilege in that like i was not an ostracized child okay i i it, weirdly enough i had a conversation with this very real conversation with this with some previous friends of mine and i was probably the kid who was more so being the dick right so when I think about inclusion, I think about almost going back and being like, uh, yeah, shouldn't it shouldn't have been mean to that person. That person clearly wasn't invited to the table. So I think inclusion, if nothing else, it's like you walk into the cafeteria, you're the new kid around, right? All these other people are sitting at a table. They already have friends. They already have their own clubs. All you're doing with inclusion is waving them over and saying, hey, you come sit at the table. That's it, man. And, and I don't know why that stirs fear to me that's the, one of the most heroic things you can do for people it's something i didn't do enough of when i was younger in life and so i don't I really is it because i don't know if if even if you were never waved over damn man we gotta wave people over we're waving people over saying come on over that that's that's how i see it and I, i'm pretty sure that's not far off from how how you guys see it too yeah i mean yeah. We've, we've got something that we know is amazing, right? Sword and sorcery fiction. And we're sitting here going, why aren't more people into this? And sometimes all it takes is just for somebody else to reach out that hand and say, hey, you know, come hang out with us, come check this out. You know, I mean, I, I, it was about a year ago at this time that I was trolling through, you know, the fantasy subreddit 
and being like, oh, this is not really doing anything for me and I don't really know why. And then there was a post where somebody was asking about sword and sorcery and Scott Oden and Howard Andrew Jones, who we knew were both going to come up again on this podcast, were on there posting and posting their definitions and talking about how it was actually not dead and uh, talking about the Whetstone Discord server. And I mean, man, when I was reading that, literally it was like, I got hit by a bolt of lightning. I was like, this is what I've been looking for. Like a yeah. lot of modern fantasy, you know, I call myself a fantasy fan, but a lot of the modern stuff isn't really doing it for me. And I feel like, you know, I'm slogging through these 600 page books and I don't really get why I'm not loving it. And then it was like, oh yeah, this is the sword and sorcery stuff. That's what I want to be reading, man. And I went and I joined the Whetstone Discord. And literally, I mean, I felt like I was, I had come home, you know, I felt like I'd finally found this place where I fit in. And, you know, even like, you know, suddenly I can like post, uh, you know, a Blue Oyster Cult music video on like the music <laughs> channel. And it's like, people actually liked it, man. This is like, I found my people. <laughs> Veteran of the psychic war, bro. Exactly. Someone actually yeah. gets that reference. Man. Yeah. <laughs> like, but it took somebody making the effort to reach out that hand and be like, Hey, come hang, come hang out with us. And, and now this is a huge part of what I'm doing, you know? And so to me, it's like, we, sh we gotta pay it forward and keep making that effort to reach out to new people. And, you know, some people are going to try it and find it's not for them. And some people are going to hang out for a while and move on because it was just a phase or whatever. But mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, you know, they, all they need is that invitation and they're going to see how kick-ass this thing is that we have going on. Yeah, and there's so many ways you could do that. I mean, plus one to the Westone Discord. I, I found it last summer myself, and Fast became my favorite place online. Great community. Uh, and definitely, yeah, it's a element of just, just wanting to share the cool thing, the cool community, the cool genre, all that stuff. It's just sharing, man. Um, and yeah, there's a variety of ways you can do that. You know, one way is that uh, I won't name them because I'm curious to see if people can spot who it is uh, from their story. But one of the six authors uh, who've contributed amazing original stories, each of which is getting, is getting original black and white illustrations to go with them. One of those authors, I intentionally went a little, just a little, <laughs> outside of the sword and sorcery community uh, and found someone who was just writing a straight fantasy, just in quotation marks, writing a straight fantasy short story that I was like, you know, if you tweak this a little bit, it could be sword and sorcery. And they're very talented. They can spin a sentence. They can create a character arc and make you really invested in just a few thousand words. And I was, I just reached out and I was like, hey, you know, I'm doing this thing, blah, blah, blah. Do you want to give it a whirl? And they were like, yeah. And their first draft was kind of what I expected. It was a very talented story but pretty much straight fantasy. And I was like, okay, I thought this would happen. Check it out. And I, we had an hour long phone call and I kind of discussed you know, the genre and why I'm hyped uh, about it and what I thought that they could do to like preserve their story and their voice. Um, you know, I'm trying to make it my thing, but make it feel right. You know, make it feel like sword and sorcery. Mm -hmm. And they went off and they took a crack at it. They sent me an email yesterday being like, okay, I gave my best shot. Also, I watched the Northman and Primal season two over the weekend. And I'm pretty sure those are sword and sorcery. Yeah, they were like, I'm pretty sure that they were sword and sorcery. So I, I watched those to get me in the mood. And I was like, good call. Um, I literally watched those yesterday. I'm not even joking. I'm not uh, joking, you guys. I watched some Primal and the Northman again last night. Nice. And, and there you go. And so, you know, I read the story and, and within three pages, uh, I was like, oh, it worked. The science, the mad science experiment worked. Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, nobody's going to mistake it for Tower of the Elephant, but I think it's definitely got the sword and sorcery vibe, you know, maybe more late uh, period, more cock perhaps. And I hope people really enjoy it. And I'm really glad I did it because now that same author is like, you know, I think I might want to do another one. I'm going to do some yeah, more reading and get so into good. this thing, yeah. you know, and tell if people who already read my stuff, yeah. like, check it out, you know, and that's how, you know, there you go, right? Like, it's, you got to reach outside yeah, if and you got to be friendly and you got to be willing to try things. Yep. If I was going to devil's advocate you, I'm 
and I'm not really much of a devil's advocate, to be honest. I'm <laughs> usually like, cool idea, man. But it, like, I think the worst someone could say is that what would happen there is it might end up sounding forced, right? So you've got mm-hmm. a square peg, round hole situation, potentially. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even really believe that because if you're a really good writer, I think you can spin many different kinds of yarns. That's part of the deal, right? It's Howard like, wrote yeah. a lot more than Sword and Sorcery, right? Yeah, if you're yeah, yeah, exactly. You should be exactly. able to genre hop. So I, I would say like, but how are you going to grow sword and sorcery completely from within if you don't actually uh, tell people to come on in and, and try new things with it? I mean, I've also been in the place too, where it's like, you got that band that's really cool, man. And like, you know, when everyone else starts to think it's cool, it's like, oh, we're losing something because now the band's listening to the wrong people, man. They're doing different <laughs> stuff. And so like, I actually do get that to a point, right? I'm kind of like, oh, I don't think it's too cool though. Cause as soon as it, like Game of Thrones, that happened to Game of Thrones. Arguably, it got too goddamn yeah. cool. And, yeah. I mean, I'm, it also, <laughs> it also shit to bed in the execution toward the yeah, end. Yeah. I mean, that's, that was unrelated, I feel, but yes, but, I agree. I guess <laughs> what I'm, I'm you're sorry. looking for is uh, in 1979 when Blue Oyster Cult made the album Mirrors. That's the <laughs> reference you're looking for. Yeah. I mean, that's not a deep cut at all. <laughs> a deep I, cut I band. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is like, I almost, I understand where gatekeeping kind of starts Yeah, because on some level I get it. And when I was younger, I used to do that exact thing, right? A little bit like, mm. you know, punk rock kids are going to do this. Metal kids are going to do this. Not all, but that's part of the thing is like, you're somewhat protective of that thing that you like. Well, because so you don't of, want the thing you love to get diluted, right? To come back yeah. to an issue with sword and sorcery but, but, of recent even, years. But even that, right? Like, just because people are always like pooing on Disney, which is like, I'm not jumping to Disney's defense, but it's like, yeah, they're pumping out a lot of material and a lot of it is getting diluted. But guess what, guys? I bet you're getting the same amount of truly quality stuff than if they didn't dilute, mm-hmm. right? It's like, it's it's picking the, this is a terrible one, but picking the peanuts from the poop here. <laughs> wow Disney's told you is just picking through the elephant poop yeah i told you we're not editing we're not editing here <laughs> there will be no corrections yeah, All right. and i think too i mean there you know part of where the conversations about how do we get more people reading sword and sorcery earlier this year started also is the recognition that already in the sword and sorcery scene, there is a huge amount of real talent that was not getting recognized. Um, and yeah, I think yeah, yeah. that we're in a rising tide lifts all boats situation now, yes. because it is starting to get recognized and we're starting to see things, for example, like Howard Andrew Jones, uh, everybody take a drink, signing a five book deal with Bain, right? Where he's writing five Hanover books where five, which, Five books, five. which are, which are exactly. at least the first two I know, and I think all five of them are um, mosaic or pastiche novels or whatever they're called these days. You know, short he's story. Treating, like, he's treating like seasons, right? Like episodes. Yeah, exactly. Episodes. Episodic yeah. novels, which is like the most sword and sorcery thing there is, right? I mean, that is not what the average fantasy novel is. But, you know, Bane is putting their money where their mouth is, and that didn't happen last year, right? It no, happened this year. Exactly. And there are other announcements that I'm not sure we're allowed to talk about. Um, but you know, they're they're signing people. Yes, and they are. And there's and there's definitely the Yeah, people who were in the scene, exactly. Right rising tide all boats, but like, yeah, there's you're gonna hear about certain again, I don't know names. I just know that that's a publisher that is looking for good talent, 
And they know that it's a smart way to go by finding the new talent who's been doing the good shit for years and years. Yeah. And and I think that's a really important point you brought up is that none of this is like to say uh, much of what you appreciate or are pushing for with quote unquote new edge uh, hasn't already been happening because a lot of it has. I think it's similar in the sense of like the wet zone discord where you get people in the same place or you start, you know, if new edge magazine is a pocket of sorts, then that's what it is. But sometimes you got to create the pocket. You got to create the shelf. You got to put the thing there that people are going to find. I mean, this is my take. I, I'm not involved in any of this. This is just. Well, certainly with the magazine, right? Like I mentioned my experimental person who I brought in from outside the scene on one end of the spectrum. On the other end of the spectrum, I've got, you know, heavyweight of the genre veteran David C. Smith, who we mentioned earlier, yes. has an original new story in the magazine. And everyone sort of in between uh, the other four uh, names are all, you know, hardworking writers uh, to various levels of uh, professional success who I befriended through a mixture of my podcast. You know, most of them have been interview guests and on the Whetstone Tavern Discord, like without the Whetstone Tavern Discord, this magazine couldn't happen. I'll just say that, you know, it's been a mixture of that and me meeting people and following them in through the podcast that made it possible, not just the writers, but uh, some of the artists and uh, definitely like all the people who've been very kind enough to help with the, I guess, less glamorous, uh, but still vital roles like Matt on layout design and listening to me talk all goddamn day in the dms uh you know uh, people like uh jordan uh douglas smith uh, who some people may know from the dark crusade uh, carl edward wagner podcast he's doing proofreading for us he just offered oh, yeah. man what a generous guy uh you know uh, kevin beckett who i don't believe is like a no name in any capacity but he's a whetstone taverner who's helping us out with social media steve babb also a published author helping us out with social media and so on and so forth like, it's absolutely a product of positive fan community mutual creator support and boy have i got that memorized but it's true <laughs> and I think it's very important. It's so, so, so key. You know, I mentioned to some people, like, I have what I, I think, you know, I haven't read everybody's brains or their notebooks, but what I think is perhaps an unusual currently at this moment approach to, for example, the inclusion thing, where I'm trying to be highly intentional about all my decisions with the magazine, because I want to do a good job, obviously, right? I've done projects in the past just for the sake of doing them. I'm good. I want this thing to really succeed and to really be worth the time of all the other people involved, right? It's not just my time and energy I'm trying to respect. So yeah, one element of that is how I'm tackling the inclusion thing where I don't think there's anything wrong with a room full of white guys. I am a white guy. I'm often a room full of white guys. White guy being, you know, for brevity's sake, a shorthand for white cisgender neurotypical able-bodied, you know, what society has so often thought of as its default. But <laughs> if we're going to expand the audience, say it with me, kids, we got to go outside the people that are already there. And the people that are already there, you look at a lot of the TOCs and stuff, it's, it's largely, it's largely not exclusively, you know, but largely white guys. So, okay, cool, cool. Uh, you know, I don't hate white guys. I am one. I don't hate IPAs. I just hate when I go to the beer store and nine tenths of what's on the shelf is IPAs. IPAs uh, yeah. are gross. Those are the ones that are like super strong, aren't they? He <laughs> sips, he sips his, produce. he sips yeah, his well. gin, gin smash. <laughs> guys, I'm having my gin smashed here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I had to put my rosé down for the morning. Oh dear. The morning. Um, what am I saying? <laughs> but you know you get my point right so it's just this thing of me like wanting variety wanting variety in everything including the voices that we get to hear in the stories right the storytellers and so yeah i'm making a point of going out of my way to make sure that i never have more than one or two you know white guys on the roster of the six fiction authors in any given issue from this issue going forward and i think that's cool because it's forcing me like any limit to your creativity to be more creative and to go further and to look for people who maybe i wouldn't have found as easily or wouldn't have thought of right away because 
because we tend to default to you know ourselves and people like ourselves yeah. and i think it's a really important thing to do and it's important to even have something like you know something that was a very big discussion item on the whetstone discord a few months back when all that stuff was happening in the spring was i was like well what if we have like a really small simple inclusion statement in the magazine for those who aren't familiar with the term it just means like a sentence or two being like hey do you think some humans are not human because of what kind of human they are Fuck off. Anybody else, come on in. You're great. You know, just letting people know, like, this is a welcoming place and being upfront about it. Why yeah. do you, you got to be upfront about it? Why can't you just, you know, have the attitude? Yeah. Well, I think you got to be upfront about it because for people who aren't, you know, our demo, I'm speaking of the three uh, white fellows here, the stakes of getting involved with the quote unquote wrong fan community are higher. You know, it means a lot more, as we were discussing earlier, in a different context for someone other than us to come into like a Facebook group or a Reddit or whatever and trip over like racially charged language or to be a woman and then get harassed for daring to be that. So it's just good to like, you know, you got to show it through your actions. You got to practice it, but it's just good to have like a little thing. And it's like, if I can be allowed a, a metaphor, you know, if we're a restaurant, it's not the burgers, okay? The burgers are the stories, the kick-ass art, the cool nonfiction articles about past, present, and future of the genre. That's the big neon sign on top of the restaurant that brings cars in off the highway saying burgers. But the inclusion statement is like that little sticker that you just are happy to see if you see it, if you even notice it, by the door in the window, letting you know that the FDA or whoever government body has made sure there's no vermin in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> you can bite into your burger and not get a rat tail in between your teeth. And and that's all it is, man. It's just Or also, or also... You enter the, the restaurant and then you're like, oh man, I have to eat by myself. This kind of sucks. And then this table of people, uh, they just uh, gesture you over. Come on over. Yeah. Come have a seat. Yeah. Yeah. Come I mean, on in. Do you make I mean, burgers? <laughs> Tell us yeah. about your burgers. I don't know. That metaphor <laughs> falls apart like all metaphors. But <laughs> because, because some people are going to say, uh, isn't it just, shouldn't it just be that the story is what matters? To which I would say, and I'll go on record and say, yes, with a huge asterisk. Yes, the story really friggin' matters. You can also invite various walks of life to the table to submit stories. I guarantee you, you're going to find great stories in there too, right? right. It's not if like you, I mean, speaking yeah. uh, speaking as an editor, if you cast a wider net and get more stuff, you're going to end up with better stories. I mean, this isn't binary in opposition, right? This is something that mm -hmm. feeds itself in the bringing more people into the scene and having more authors and having more readers, you're going to wind up overall raising the quality of everything. And the people who are already here, you know, if, if it's, uh, if you see it as competition, hopefully it'll push you to up your own game, but hopefully you don't see it as competition at all. You know, hopefully you see it as just, there's more awesome people to be friends with. Well, And, I, and saying, you right? inspire others, you inspire yes. other people to come get involved in a thing. They may have felt, maybe they felt excluded from it. I'm not, I'm not here saying like, Oh, this community's so bad, it's excluding everyone. That does happen. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it absolutely happens. Representation matters. It's a it's a it's a you know, glue phrase perhaps at, at times. But you know, I was just interviewing Kirk A. Johnson, right? And he was saying like he did he loves a great interview. For I yeah, Thank I you. loved that was a great interview. He, I loved it. Oh, he's a great guy. I hope you get him on the show soon. Oh, uh, we will. you should, he's great. Uh stop putting down Kirk. Shut up. No. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, over. I had yeah. him before you had him. You just didn't know. <laughs> You're just quick and we're lazy. But 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 yeah, my point is, um, yeah. you know, Kirk brought up about how he had less resources for his whole life, but it wasn't until much later than a lot of us uh, that he thought he could write it because it took until he discovered Charles Saunders and Amaro and was like, oh, yeah. okay, I can see myself. You know, I, I think maybe I could get in on this too. So representation matters, obviously, but I mean, come back to the beware false binaries, right? People will sometimes hear what I talk about and protest and be like, well, just focus on good stories. Just focus on good 
stupid stories. Uh, what, what's the, what's, you know, why you got a diversity points? Yeah. And I, and I, I gotta be like, I'm making them sound like jerks because I disagree. Pardon me, uh, to some of those people who I respect, but it's just this thing of like, it's good stories is a good start. You know, obviously you want to have good stories. And if you can be to the best of your ability, because we all are raised in kind of a society that's wildly uneven, the society from which the stories are coming into your magazine, by the way, if you're sitting there being like, okay, I'm just going to focus on the stories. I'm not going to think about anything else. That's cool. It takes care of your end in the magazine, but it doesn't help to try and compensate somewhat for the wildly uneven society we live in, where depending on where your demographic, you know, bingo card, you know, looks like you will have more or fewer obstacles between you and getting to a place where you can tell really good stories more and fewer obstacles between uh, or for your obstacles between you and getting to a place where you feel comfortable submitting or even think you can be part of a scene. And so this is why, like, I'm trying to be intentional in how I spread the love because it's love, right? Publication, promotion, and for all of our issues from one onward, payment. If you you got you want to be intentional about how you spread that around because otherwise you might just end up accidentally replicating the situation that we've got in our world where everything is still largely made for and by white guys. So that's why be intentional. But it's being intentional about spreading the love with the assumption that all the stories are good. If you read a story in this magazine, I'm telling you, I thought because I'm a editor, I mean, I, I'm the guy who decides. It's good. It might be good like a master of their craft or it might be good like an emerging talent who, you know, is not a master yet, but they show promise and I want to support that promise, publication, promotion, eventually payment. So either way, you're getting a good story. It's parallel. It's a parallel concern. I want to try and have a variety of people and spread the love and have always, always, always good stories. I think I think if there's one thing that uh, largely the sword and sorcery community, all the fans from like uh, <laughs> people who maybe even are resistant to the new or whatever, or don't like any of these terms. I think you will find just about everyone will agree that Charles Saunders, uh, Imaro stories are highly under promoted. The signal boost is way too goddamn low for how good they are. Right. Yeah. Like I read these stories. They're fantastic. And, and, and sure. There's a lot of white authors. It's, it's the same, it's the same situation, but like, the fact that a lot of people are only discovering now that you have that voice who's already done all this work, who, you know, sadly recently passed away, but that kind of, to me, says something about not boosting signals. Um, and so, you know, I'm going to boost the signal of all my friends. And in fact, I'm only trying, I'm only end up getting in Facebook scuffles and other scuffles <laughs> because like, I just I don't be shitty to people. I call my friend. I just, I don't like it. And maybe I'm compensating for past acts or something. I don't know, guys. We're not getting on a coach, but Nat. yeah, Nat, jump in. God damn it. Yeah, you know, I, I was just going to say, uh, while Oliver is talking, as an editor, the single most powerful tool you have is your ability to choose what goes in the magazine or the anthology. That's the acts by which you rule. Oh, oh. If, there, if there's self-selection happening before that step, you don't get to even wield that tool, right? I mean, if somebody didn't even write their sword and sorcery story or they decided not to submit it because they didn't think it had a chance or whatever, then you never get your chance to choose it or to say, okay, this is cool, but it's not up to standards yet. And, you know, send an encouraging note back to the author or whatever it is that's the appropriate response to that. But ultimately, getting more submissions is always going to be better for the magazine. It's always going to be better for the anthology. It's always going to be better for the publisher, right? And it's always, to me, it's always about casting a wider net and, and reaching out that hand and saying to everybody you can find, hey, man, come join us. 
Yeah, and also thank you, slush readers. Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. What a, what a job, hey? Ooh, buddy. Yeah, and and like you know, to come back to the book I mentioned right at the top of this, like think about Mad Max Fury Road, right? They brought in, the, of course, I'm bad at names, sorry, but the woman behind the vagina monologues to come in and not only talk to the women actors on that about their roles. Pardon me, Eve Ensler. Thank you, Eve Ensler. But also to like give interesting talks about the importance and power of femininity to their like mostly male and macho 200 plus stunt guys, you know, and it really enriched the movie. And boy, did it stop them from telling one of the most gonzo, awesome, talented, exciting, wild, in some ways, I would say SNS stories ever told one of the most successful movies of the century, or perhaps even including yeah, going back that, to the other one, uh, that, the, other one was... the other one with film. Uh, <laughs> the Earth is 200 years old. You heard it here first, folks. Um, you know, not at all. <laughs> And so to go beyond that, if I may, because I, I, you know, inclusion is such an important topic for a number of reasons we've covered, but it can also be such a quicksand because we all feel very passionately about it, whether we agree, disagree, whatever. Um, I don't want to give a good across that that's all there is, you know, for the magazine. Like, I think, just like I say, overall, uh, a broader uh, diversity of variety is a great thing. And Sword and Sorcery, I love it so much. It's so strong. You know, the definition I tend to follow, I, I like other ones. Howard has a good one. Um, but I love Brian Murphy's definition from Flame and Crimson with yeah. his seven points of like, here's some stuff you tend to run into in Sword and Sorcery stories. If there's enough here, which enough being whatever the reader thinks, you know, to give you that gut feeling of like, oh, yeah, Sword and Sorcery, you've done it. You know, I kind of like to think of it almost like a wild wrestling ring with seven posts, right? And those posts are stuck where they are, marking, you know, boundaries. But what runs between them, right? Super elastic rope that you can have fun pushing that boundary, bending it, <laughs> jumping off of it, pulling cool moves, you know. And and that to me is sword and sorcery. It can be so much, it can be so experimented with, but as long as you keep it in mind, kind of if, in my books, I made those seven posts or something like it, you know, you can always make it feel like sword and sorcery. And so I look forward to hopefully getting to use issue zero uh, to build the hype machine. You know, issue zero EPUB will be free, folks. The soft and hard cover, yeah, hard cover is going to be sold at cost so i don't have the numbers off the top of my head but super cheap it's literally as cheap as it can be without losing money and i'm hoping y'all will give it a shot and that will help build the hype build the mailing list we're building because that's a big thing about looking forward to the next stage which is hopefully early next year crowdfunding issues one and two and not just crowdfunding like flat fee for production and flat fee for artists and writers and stuff but i feel so powerfully about if we're going to build the scene people got to get paid because money is how you justify time and energy for the most part in our late capitalist hellscape so we are going to have stretch goals that will all, but for one or two you know will be focused on writer and artist pay bumps you know we're going to start like semi-pro three cents a word but if we can we're going to get all the way up to eight cents a word pro or beyond if more and more people get in artist rates will keep going up and up and up and so on and i just am so excited because of course we're almost done putting together issue zero we're hoping to get out sometimes september won't necessarily be the first you know maybe if it's october first we want to get it right more than we want to get it out you know but it's going to be out let's say september and uh i'm already thinking ahead to doing those first two issues and god i hope i get to do them and i hope y'all will be there for it so yeah like this thing has wild wild stuff in it we've already released some uh, art on our website that you can see and also on our instagram and twitter which hopefully all those links will be in the show notes right matt you know um, you gotta yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah we will <laughs> yes. stories, just look although i will need you to send me reminders of what precisely you want in there but yes 
I will harass you to the end of the earth. Don't worry. Uh, I, I love all, you, buddy. Um, <laughs> all, all part of the platform share, dude. All part of it. But uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what was I saying? Lost my train of thought. Gosh darn it. Oh, yes. We have a piece of art that you can see in a cropped form uh, with a bit of a filter I threw on it for funsies on the website of uh, you know the hero of one of the stories by uh, Justin Clark there, Quimbe. She's gratering a wizard by riding him down the side of a mountain like a sled. <laughs> How cool is that? And that's yeah. just one of the many amazing Gonzo. Remember what I said about Mad Max? You know, having uh, you know Esler there did not deny you the war rig. Uh, you know, this magazine is going to be very thoughtful about everything it does, including delivering on badass moments and badass illustrations of those moments. So, you know, I'm just saying it couldn't be cheaper when it comes out. And if you want to right now, you can go straight to newedgesorcery.com and sign up for our mailing list. It's a very light in the inbox mailing list. I don't need more emails. You don't need more emails. But maybe you'd like a little bit more email. Just one email telling issue zeroes out and one email telling you the crowdfunding in like february you know is happening and if that succeeds third email might not even happen a third email telling you issues one and two are out so yeah uh this is that was the plug i just want to make sure we got that in there we've been talking so for an hour i don't want to miss it <laughs> what's the date what's the date that you're thinking of uh popping this bad boy out i, I well i see Nat's yeah, doing the give layout, us a so goddamn uh, ballpark we need a ballpark here <laughs> september early september we'll oh, see we'll see what yeah. life allows because yeah. uh, early know, early mid september yeah we might even release this episode near like early oh. september because uh <laughs> through the weird uh time displacement device that is mm. podcast recording uh, i'm recording another one tonight actually on another Whoa. topic and I think, anyways, we'll talk about the release date, whatever works best. But yeah, so September is the goal, hopefully early September. Uh, I'm only cagey because, like I say, I want to put quality over rushing it. And also because I know that everyone involved is being really kind and giving their skills and time for free. And they've got like children <laughs> stuff to worry yeah. about. So I, I don't want to set, say like September 3rd and then we blow it. And Well, that's, that, that's <laughs> so, just yeah. it. Uh, I, I'm obviously sympathetic to the fact of like you want to make a cool thing happen. Um, you want to get word out, you want to boost signals. And then you kind of feel like, yeah, I don't got any money though, man. All I got is like this platform. And so like, it was the same with a book of blades where it was like, mm. I made it very clear. It's like, guys, uh, I'm going to for exposure all often sucks. Okay. It often sucks for exposure often sucks. But if you know that the people behind are really, really, really going to try and work it and, and get word out there, then I think as long as you have an established relationship with folks, they understand, especially yeah. when it's an interest of, of paying, right? Because that's the same thing uh, we'll be doing with ours, right? Create a little war chest. Then when you go forward and we come up with something else, then we can fund it and we can pay people, which hell man. I mean, if we're all in the same club, we may as well uh, actually uh, rise those ships, rise those ships. That's <laughs> great, great verb. It's my best verb, guys. I'm going to roast the ships here. <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> wait, what? I, I don't know where I'm from all of a sudden here. Oh, dear. Uh, um, yeah. But, well, exactly, Matt. And, that, and that's also why, like, the money thing is so important. You know, some people are kind of like, oh, gee, you know, is, do you have to get money involved? And it's like, yeah, we do, because that's how people justify doing things. And also because, like, I want the, I want to pay the staff of the magazine as well as the writers and artists, and I want to pay them all as much as possible so they can keep creating and keep making the thing. But I got to get there. I, I can't pay them now. So I just, yeah, exactly what you said. I talked to everybody involved with Issue Zero, and I was like, look, here's the deal. Can't pay you now. Can't promise I'll pay you later. But the idea is we all work together to build this thing yeah. up, get Issue Zero out, show, like, an idea of what it can be, and then say, can you imagine what we could do with money? <laughs> yeah. It's a testament. It's, it's also yeah. a big testament to the community, too, that, like, so many people are really eager to step up. Oh, it's, it's been and, incredible. I mean, just yeah. the amount 
of things that have been donated in terms of stories, original stories written, original art drawn, and just the effort that people put in. It's really unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I can't say enough to the proofreading. My God, am I glad we have a proofreader again? Thank you, Jordan. <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna need we're gonna need one of those in the future. Yeah, <laughs> but then it's also that thing of me saying to everybody, "Look, like I can't guarantee it, but I can I can guarantee there will be a second for free issue, right? We either go big enough to do the crowdfunding, and then I turn around and pay you guys, or you know I don't get that magazine, I can't afford it. And so I think that's also just being really frank with people and saying, "Look, we're building towards something. It's not that old joke that you run into in indie film where it's like, hey, if you work on my film for free, you might earn the privilege of working on my next film." For free, yeah. uh, you know. I personally try not to do that. It's <laughs> not criticism, anybody else. And that, well, they, we will do what we can with the resources we have. But I'm very intent on building this into a sustaining thing, uh, and and going bigger and bigger, and bigger. Who knows? Nat and I just had an amusing conversation this morning that could not be further ahead of where we are. Where I was <laughs> like, "What if blah 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 redacted, but like publishing books?" And I was like, "Jesus Christ, <laughs> Oliver, get issue zero out, get people oh, on yeah. that train." But let's, dude, let's I I know where you're at. Like. Eh. During Gen Con, post Gen Con, the amount of projects that are starting to juggle and the awesome ones, but also the undecided factors, it's making me crazy. <laughs> like, I, yeah. And it's it's daily. We're just like, uh, what are we doing? But this is this is ahead of all things that I already know that are sure things that I'm currently working on. So it's like it's a lot of shit. As yeah. Well. So, but this uh, is good. These are good problems. Good problems to have. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let me tell you, yeah. Uh, Nat, is there anything else you want to say before maybe? Because I, I know I, one thing I really want us to cover is like, well, what sets the magazine apart? And we've talked about some of that, but not all of uh, it, I think. I, there, uh, weirdly, there is one other thing I wanted to say, which is I wanted to just completely derail this conversation uh, by jumping back to something I said earlier that I was replaying in my head, and I realized it may have come out very strangely, which is when I was talking about the rising tide lifting all ships and specifically talking about um, Howard Andrew Jones and the 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 deal that he's inked with Bain recently, I think I may have sounded like I was saying that it was because of us that he got that deal. And I think <laughs> really clear that no. <laughs> At all. Are you sure you're not Canadian? <laughs> well, sorry, I might have uh... lied. Uh, no. No, just no. to be to be clear, that's not what yeah, I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, Howard yeah, is yeah. an amazing writer who's been busting his ass for many decades. Um, and my point was really to say that there's something happening in the sword and sorcery scene right now that is, I think, electrifying a lot of people. Yeah. That's that's all I was trying to say. He's and I the just positive the other way came across. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it did. The other way around because Howard has been such an inspiration and he's been so kind. Like I said, when I met him, it was that phone call a few years ago and he just freely gave me some of his time to discuss some of his experiences in magazine publishing yeah. when I had my idea that I wouldn't go anywhere for another few years. And he has, with his blessing, you know, given us, uh, you know, permission to use the term he coined years ago. Yeah. Uh, not to give the suggestion that Howard endorses everything I do from now on. You know, how Oliver has a drug problem. That was Howard's problem. You know, but just... <laughs> But he's given us, you know, his blessing to use the term. He also will be in issue zero. He's currently working on a short article uh, elaborating upon t- better telling that anecdote about the origin of the term. So you'll find Howard in those pages. Brian Murphy also has a short article in the magazine. And yeah, like, no, this couldn't happen without Howard. This couldn't have happened without the Whetstone community. This couldn't have happened without a few other individuals that I've been lucky enough to meet through uh, my podcast, and all, which is basically all about the sword and sorcery community at this point, because that's the kind of novel I'm writing, you know? 
it's it's all been about the people and a desire for some kind of forward push, some kind of newness, some kind of experimentation, whatever the specifics are from person to person. You know, I've said this many times, I'm not going to tell anybody what New Edge Store and Sorcery is to them. I'm only going to say what it is to me and then express it through this magazine. Yeah. But it's exciting to see us all in various permutations, all kind of reaching towards roughly the same thing, which is bigger audience, get new people in their uh, creators and audience, and just make this thing grow. And what Howard's achieved through his hard sweat and toil uh, with the five book deal with Bain and Hanavar, which I, I, you know, was how I fell in love with him, reading Hanavar's stories in the skull, um, is just inspiring. Yeah, I mean, I mean how, guys like Howard, Scott Oden, James Ang, who is just my favorite of the modern sword and sorcery writers, we haven't talked about him enough, but his Morlock and Bridges stories, yeah, I mean, yeah. talk about hit by a bolt of lightning the first time I read him in the skull. Holy crap, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, th those guys are the rising tide that's lifting our like weird little ragged ass dinghy right now. Until, <laughs> until, 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 what? Oh, until uh, they crush them? What? No, until mid June, <laughs> until mid June, when Nat and I were talking about what the magazine was going to look like, always we would just kind of shrug with each other and be like the skull <laughs> we just like, you know, we're like ah we just copy that i guess and now I, we're, we're not doing that anymore you know yeah. uh but uh but yeah it was this kind of interesting challenge we face which brings me to something i really wanted to bring up before we go which is you know uh aside from the inclusion thing we've mentioned aside from the title and this like philosophy that we're being very explicit about yada yada what the hell separates this magazine well aside from the fact that yeah we'd like to say we got some pretty badass stories and great art and interesting articles for sure there's also the fact that uh, it's available in hardcover which i don't think any other magazines are currently doing on the sword and sorcery scene so i think that's cool but for those of you who prefer softer you know epub like i say that's there as well plus the budget conscious thing we're also um something that separates us from uh say the skull is uh, the fact that uh and I fully endorse this. None of this is critique, just describing differences. Uh, the Skull aims for more of a PG-13 kind of thing, because I know Howard really wants to try and bring in younger uh, audiences, and that's all good. We're going to have more of like an R rating kind of thing. Like if you, you know, the wizard gets shredded going down the mountain, you, you, you might see some of that in the art. Uh, now, I don't mean edgelord stuff. I don't mean mandatory, you know, nudity and blood. New uh, edgelord but, magazine. Yeah, you edgelord heard magazine. it. I was trying so hard to dance around that. I was like, oh, too late there. Uh, <laughs> it was going to make it in here. Of course. Somehow. We have our uh, masturbation guide, new edging sword and sword. Sorcery. That's coming out next year. Uh, yeah. but <laughs> We're not editing, Matt. No, nope, uh, no, nope, it's all going in. Uh, but uh, no, not but, editing. <laughs> but 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 what I'm saying is the room is there. You know, some stories might be very PG-13 or even G-rated. Who knows? But probably not G-rated. But uh, but I just want to have. I'm just saying that's part of what sets us apart. Is we're going to have that kind of freedom in the magazine to have more kind of R-rated, have that, a variety of formats. Going to have three columns in the layout for you layout nerds. You thought one column was cool. You thought two columns was cool. Let's try three. Wait um, wait 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 wait. Where do I read when I get to column two? <laughs> I don't understand how to read this, guys. You just. <laughs> Scanning to the right. Um, <laughs> and the nine column layouts can be one word per column. Oh, it's going to be amazing. They're not uh, called until columns. Eventually it becomes like so many columns with just single letters no, no, per no, no, column, no, no. and it kind of comes back around to being one page. <laughs> no, they will be called edges. Oh, Ooh. no. <laughs> you so are the lord of all of them. <laughs> actually, it's bleed in printing. Ooh. The new oh, edge right. makes you bleed. That's true. Oh. That's true. Can't beat that. And also, like, you know, we're going to try and uh, find a way always to kind of honor what came before and what's being done currently, but be looking to the future. So, like, absolutely, especially in issue zero, we're, we're still 
you know, it's our first leap out of the gate and figuring things out. We're going to have elements, certainly, of like pulp and pulp adjacent, 70s paperback adjacent art. I love it. It's never going to entirely leave the magazine. But a lot of other people are doing that real well. So it's not going to dominate the magazine. Then you have the kind of OSR, DIY, early D&D, you know, kind of zine look. You know, Whetstone kicks Seven Shades of Ass with that in their covers. By the way, shout out to Whetstone Amateur Magazine, uh, Sword and Sorcery. It's not just the Discord. The magazine is great. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I love their covers. And I love what a lot of people do with that style. Um, but, you know, it's, it's pretty well covered. We got to differentiate ourselves. So we're going to have some of that, some of that. And you're going to find that issue zero. But then we're also, I hope increasingly with issue one onward, if we get there, because I'll have money, <laughs> you know, I'm going to go out of commission. Uh, I want to try and push boundaries and see what kind of wild and wacky stuff we can do with the art. Because that's how you got those other traditions, right? That's how you got that awesome 70s van art, was people trying new and wild stuff. And I want to see what's going to be the new van art of the 21st century so i i think definitely this 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 very big fixation on experimentation while honoring what came before is definitely like the ethos of the magazine and part of what i hope helps set us apart uh without pooing anybody else because i just think we can have a variety because we can have lots of things and so we'll call them all sns as i've said yeah like, i mean I, I think it's a <laughs> if, if you're seeing a lot of sword and sorcery magazines pop up and they like survive uh, there's nothing alarming about that to me. That's like, we're doing good folks. Everyone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I love it. No stone sorcery. Uh, please go sign up for the mailing list. We'll tell you when the issue's out and uh, blah, blah, blah. Everything I just said. Sorry, Matt, uh, I hear you. Sorry. I've, I've just been talking. I'm so used to just being a host of my own show. I feel like I took over there. What, uh, what you got to say there? Rogue prime, as you are called by nobody except me. Oh, who me? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Logan, don't, I love you. Sorry, man. Did you say Nat? Did you say Pat? Pat or Nat or Matt? I said Matt and I, and I, and yeah. I muttered a little bit. Oh, well, I mean, uh, yeah, guys. I mean, if you've got final closing words, then uh, do, do, do say them. But um, I mean, realistically, I feel like my interest um, in having you guys on was to come on and just kind of talk about this thing, um, which we did very well. <laughs> <laughs> I no, I think I think what I'm saying is we um I asked all the questions that I personally had um about it and to me I'm pretty much at the same place I was with this which is sounds like a cool idea. And, and honestly it sounds like the um it sounds like the gesturing over for the for the person to come sit at the table. Um and mm. also a talented person and I, I don't know, man, I'm really looking forward to get to what you guys put together. And, and I think like you say too, as far as it being a different thing, like that's important as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I could not be more excited as I guess you've heard me uh, blather. Have we lost Nat? Oh, here he is. Oh, he's there. He's there. Well, okay. I, I do, I do have a question though. What is your guys, uh, did you put a word count on your stories or yeah, go ahead. Answer that question. Yes, uh, I chose, uh, I put this to all the authors. I said, can you nail it somewhere between four and 6,000 words? That is an amount that in aggregate, I felt comfortable finding the time to edit. I also think absolutely lots of sword and sorcery stories are way longer. Like every time I think I, I know how long yeah, a Conan but, story is. But, but, but it's longer than the whetstone. And yes. I think it's shorter than what even the skull calls for in the sense that I think Howard generally wants something around seven. 
Yeah, it's a bit shorter. I know I've talked with Howard. He feels like it takes uh, some sort of sorcery stories upwards of like eight to ten, really, to get rolling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't so, think he's wrong. Every time I think I know how long a classic coward, uh, Conan story is, I go back and it's like 4,000 words longer than I thought. Yeah. I can <laughs> do five or six all day long, all day long. Benchmark. What's that? Sorry. Tower of the Elephant is 97.50. That's my that's my benchmark. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Rogues in the house. I think I was checking lately. It was like eight and a half or something. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but, uh, yeah, we could have a whole conversation on that because, <laughs> I mean, I think I, I do. I think that's a big distinction in the terms of storytelling you're going to get if something's a little longer. Yeah. Um, and, and that's part of the thing with Whetstone that I always really appreciate is it's a bastard to write. What is it? Two two thousand five hundred, right? Yeah, that's the roof. It's fifty. I think it's fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred. Yeah, yeah to that is a yep. bastard to try and write. It's hard. But, oh, I love it. I love great. it. Sorry to. It, that's, that's what I mean. I'm so glad it exists, and they're asking for it. And the fact that it's free is its own thing. I know not free of work. I know not free of punishment. <laughs> free you to know, read. Like, yeah, free to read. But like, it's yeah. And and I mean, certainly what you're putting together too, something with a lot of art um, and things like that, that changes the game a bit, right? Um, and that's something we'll look at too when we do our inevitable. Uh, what were we gonna call it? A book of vile sorcery. Might yeah. be the, might be the next one. So uh, we'll see. I mean, honestly, what I'm saying is, if you guys are looking for a community, there's yep. a community. Yep. And I, I'm glad you guys came on to basically talk to uh, you know the fraction of that community that listens to the show. And they're welcome to read the magazine. New Age Throne Sorcery. Sorry, I'm in promo mode. But <laughs> Book of Blades on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> yelling list. over each other. <laughs> New Edge Sword and Sorcery. Tales from the Magician's Skull. I'm trying to sell an old chair. Does anybody want it? If you want to go on Facebook Marketplace now. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, dudes. It's been a dish. Um, that's a Canadian way of saying I had a good time. I don't know if that is a Canadian <laughs> okay. way. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's been a dish, darling. Way. Yeah. It has made its way down here. Maybe in like the 1920s, people said that in America, but that's <laughs> it. forgot about it. But well, man, Matt, thank you so much Canadians. for having us on. This has been oh, an hey, absolute listen, yeah. pleasure. It's it's truly an honor to get to be on Rogues in the House. I mean, this is, you know, talk about <laughs> talk about carrying the torch, man. Like you wow. guys were were carrying it back in the dark days of uh, I don't know, when did you start? 2018, something like that. I think we did, yeah. 2018. I mean, Chromecast was doing this thing beforehand yes, as far as yeah, like, they, 2013, yeah, I think they started. Yeah, yeah. Leading yeah. into some sword and sorcery yeah, in the gang, yeah. podcast. And that was inspiring for us. And then um, yeah, I mean I can come on and talk about a thing that I dig. I'll do it every time. And you are two dudes who uh, I've wanted to have on. So I'm oh, cheers. I, I've wanted to be on the show. This is a nice little like check mark. Like, ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Knock it up. Most it's, yeah. it's, it's yeah, so man. weird. That's it's so weird. To hear. It's like when I'm in Indianapolis and people are asking me to like, uh, sign a thing or they're like hey man i know you from conan gaming group or mm. it's so surreal guys it doesn't uh you know it's it's probably the ceiling i'll ever reach in my life of a person <laughs> i don't know who knows me but <laughs> it's a gas it's definitely a gas yeah so thank you for uh for digging the show and giving a crap enough to want to be on it absolutely thanks man yeah man thanks for having us so uh we usually lead out with some kind of uh funny statement and uh i guess i don't really have one right now so what I would say is make sure to check your uh, local mailing list. No, that's not how that goes. <laughs> NewEdgeSwordAndSorcery.com. That's not funny, Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> NewEdgeSwordAndSorcery.com. I mean, that's a good domain name. 
Wait, hey, it gets right to the point. Talking, baby. Of, talking of domain names, I have been uh, absolutely remiss in plugging this. Swordandsorcerynews.com. If you need more stuff in your mailbox, um, every every Wednesday the newsletter goes out, and this is literally just anything that has happened in the last week uh, that is newsworthy in the sword and sorcery world that I personally have heard of because I'm the one who throws it together. Uh, it's just a little thing. There's no advertising or anything. It's literally just headline news and sword and sorcery. You can go sign up. Say, and you get 60,000 words sword, worth of free stories. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. And if, if you sign up, you get 60,000 words of free stories and some cool art and stuff. It's sword and some sorcery. Some of them by people in the magazine. That's true. Swordandsorcery.news <laughs> is the yep. website. Okay. But was there ever a time where you were going to say Fuse you can use? Wasn't that that's a thing? A, that's technically the name of the newsletter. It was. That's it started as a joke, and then people liked it, and I couldn't think There's... of anything better. So Thuz you can Shit's use. It's not a actually. joke, man. It's serious. <laughs> Thuz are very awesome. If I had Thuz, I'm sure I would use them. I do not, so I don't. <laughs> yeah, swordandsorcery.news. I've noticed there's actually very few Thuz in Sword and Sorcery. <laughs> I mean, oh, among, the, among the authors, shit. perhaps. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I used to swim laps, but I feel like i got to take up lifting uh, at this point. If oh, I'm gonna... <laughs> I can't. My, my, my... Joints, my joints don't like me anymore. <laughs> Uh, Joint, oh. Joints you can use. Thuz you yeah, can use. Yeah. Bronze <laughs> right. noodles doesn't really have the same ring to it. <laughs> His bronze noodles glistened. <laughs> As he attempted to heft the sword <laughs> and then sat on the couch. He grunted deeply and then gave up <laughs> like a little wuss. Okay. <laughs> he put on the Northman for the third time. <laughs> and thought... I don't see myself at all in this movie. I wish His I knees did. clicked as he got up from the DVD player. <laughs> <laughs> he was going to fight naked at a volcano at the end, but decided he just didn't like what he saw. <laughs> all right. There's oh, your dear. Where did we yeah, take there's, this? There's, the there's your stinger, man. So uh, I guess uh, may your swords and your thews always remain sharp. <laughs>